Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, I got a very interesting clip from an individual, um, a famous singer-songwriter, and his name is Jeff Deo. You might know him as the lead singer of Sonic Flood for a couple years. Sonic Flood is responsible for worship songs such as I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, Cry Holy, Here I Am to Worship, and uh, all sorts of uh, music like this. So it's a fairly famous band, Sonic Flood, and uh, their lead singer for, for some time, not, not like, he wasn't like the lead singer for the whole duration, but he is a singer-songwriter, written it, hundreds it of songs. It better be, right? I mean, it's uh -oh. all about... Let's hit pause on that. But he is going to explain to us um, the purpose of worship music, which I find very interesting <clears throat> where he's coming from, because this is a guy who's actually writing the worship music that we sing, and what's his mentality. So we're going to let him explain it to us. No. <laughs> I realize that you might think there's a typo. <laughs> worship is what? <laughs> worship is not for God. Oh man, you've done done it now, Jeff. <laughs> okay, just worship is not for God. And so, uh, when I was watching this clip, I saw that title. I knew exactly where he is going to go with this. Pixels of Light, he says, I met Jeff Deo one time like 22 years ago. Well, here he is again, Jeff Deo. It, not, it doesn't seem like a bad guy, but I think we're all, we all know where he's going to go with this. Worship is not for God. And so just you so put on your prediction hat, what, what's his case going to be? Why is worship not for God? It's just a matter of a preposition, okay? Right? Worship is about God. It, it better be, right? I mean, it's all about him. It's about God. That's the focus. That's the topic. That's the subject. He is the subject of worship. And it's also to him, right? We shouldn't give worship to anyone else. Right? We worship. Worship is about God. Worship is to God. But worship is not for God. Worship God. We give it to him. But what if? What if we've misunderstood what if worship was actually a gift from God to us? Let me just ask you one question. I think this will help. Who's changed more when you worship God? God or you? You know what I'm saying? God has not changed. So look at this this seems to be a theological platonistic holdover that's pretty systematic in christianity oh uh, who is it alfred whitehead once wrote that all of uh, philosophy are footnotes to plato uh, basically all modern preachers are also footnotes to plato and his idea of god is this conception of god which god is perfect immutability god cannot change therefore our worship music can't affect god it can't change god uh, we talked about a uh, worship song just yesterday, The Reckless Love of God, uh, and then we talked about God's passions, how God is affected by his creation, God is moved by his creation. And uh, I haven't pulled up a word study on all the times that the worship music is said to affect God and the music or, and the worship in general affects God. But you have examples like uh, King David saying, you know, God, if, 
if I die and uh, go to Sheol, uh, you're not going to get your praise music anymore. <laughs> it's like uh, King David surely thought that praises and worship were for God, that affects God. It's something God cares about and God likes receiving. But that can't happen uh, in a Platonistic concept of God because God would be gaining to himself. God would be at getting addition a value outside of himself that adds to his cumulative value. This is the Platonistic mindset where where all things have monetary values or just metaphysical monetary values. And then uh, if those things are added to God, if God gains from those things, that makes God a better God, therefore he can't gain from outside himself. This type of talking has led to phrases such as prayer doesn't change God, prayer changes us. And what this guy has done, Jeff Deo, is he's applied that to worship music. Worship music does not change God. Worship, worship music is actually for us. When we write worship music, worship songs, it's about changing who we are and not actually for giving God pleasure, right? That, that's his mindset. I'm going to just keep playing and we're going to hear this argument out. It's not like he's up in heaven and he forgot. Like we're up there going, holy, holy. And he's like, oh, right, 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 right. I totally forgot. Like a space thing, you know? It's like, I totally forgot. No. Even Casey was saying it this morning. Like, no, it's not like God forgets. Who is it that forgets that he's holy? Who? Me. So when I worship God, I like to say it this way. My ears need to hear my mouth declare that he is good. I like the, the subtle music going in the background. But uh, uh, he does this thing when he's preaching where he's, it's almost like con condescending to his audience. You'll, you'll see that in a lot of preachers where they do like fake jokes that, you, that are very canned. And it's fairly obvious, but I, he's, he is a polished speaker. I will give him that. But what, what, it, what is he saying there? God doesn't forget. So it's not like we're reminding God that God's holy. We forget. And so when we sing about God being holy, that's for our edification. And so the argument there, let's just pretend for a second. God doesn't forget anything. We'll, we'll just, that's a given for this argument. Does that mean that worship songs don't give anything of value to God? So like if I make a song for one of my kids, I do this often. I'm in the car and I'll sing a song about one of the kids just to, you know, to be playful with them or something like that. It's not that I necessarily am trying to remind them of things. It's it's not to transfer information, but it's a, it's a kind well gesture to signify our relationship together and to uh, highlight that in their mind they, they 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 smile they're happy they receive this song sometimes uh, if the song's a little bit uh, teasing they'll, they'll push back against it. it it's it's this interaction that's what this worship is worship in the context of me building songs for my kids to tease them and to play with them but in his mind uh i, I don't know if it's just like a a, a fake little illustration that uh, it doesn't cover the gamut of uh, options, what worship music could be, but it's just kind of like a straw man that he built up to burn down. But in his mind, in this example, the only other purpose of worship music is to communicate factual information to God. I don't. And that's that's not what any worship or praise is ever. Uh, 
uh, if you only have factual conversations with your wife, you might be doing something wrong in your relationship. I'm, I'm just going to go say that. That he is holy. It's, it's not like I make it true for God when I declare that. But I do make it true for me. It's not like it becomes true. It's already true, but it's just I come into agreement with the truth. Does that make sense? Right? And so I'm speaking out of my mouth that I agree with the truth that God is holy. Now, this is something that God wants, right? He wants our fellowship. He wants it, but he does not need our worship. So if he doesn't need it, who needs it? We do. It's beautiful because when we worship God, He is glorified and we're transformed. I have a friend who came to me after I preached a message similar to this one. He's at my church. I, I preached this message at my church in Minneapolis, Celebration Church. And he said, Jeff, you changed my life. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Those, those are big words like explain. Tell me what you're talking about. Like, I didn't change your life. So yeah, because when you said worship is not for God, everything flipped for me. Because I thought worship was the credits before the movie. You know, the movie is the word, the message, and the, the worship was just like, you know, the trailers of the other movies or whatever, you know. It's just like the credits before. So I'm coming. He would come in late, you know. Ah, second, third song. You know, that's for the artists, the singers, all that stuff. But I'm here for the real thing, for the meat of the word. I got to tell you. So I find this very interesting in another respect. And so you got two different types of, I will call them both <laughs> semi-Platonists. Our, our friend here, Jeff Deo, and his other friend who cares only about the sermon. And so if, if the purpose of worship is actually to praise God and to give God joy and interact with God, this second type of individual who is just there for the sermon to receive like a factual information or self-inspiration, they're not going to this service for God either. You know, uh, the first person is not, he's not our, our worship, uh, our guy, our Jeff Deo. He's not uh, going to the worship for God. He's doing it for himself. He's singing and writing songs for himself. And our second semi-Platonist is going to the sermons for himself to gain this factual information. And so I think both of these people are coming. This, this is why I just said that basic Christian pastors, Christian ministries, Christian teachings are footnotes to Plato. Both mindsets are Platonistic mindsets. It's all about like self-enlightening. It's not about our actual relationship with God, which is actually pretty sad when you think about it. So what should our purpose in life be if there is a loving God, if it's the God of the Bible, our our interactions with God should be to build a relationship with him, to, to create cross-communication, uh, cross-dependencies, uh, to rely on him, to put our trust in him, to praise him, to signal our allegiance and our thanks. That The Bible says over and over, give thanks to God. What, what are we doing there? We're thanking God for his acts. We're praising him for things he does. And God listens to our prayers, responds to our prayers, and he enjoys our prayers. And it's, it's we, we don't just shun God if God does nice things for us, you know. And so this whole framing that he does here where uh, worship can only be to remind God of factual information, it's not coming to worship as if we're actually 
doing worship during worship service. And then our second guy here also is not. He's going to the sermons for himself. This is a contrast of two semi-Platonists. The word of God is so powerful and it needs to be preached. However, do you understand what the purpose of the word of God is? The purpose of the word of God is to give you revelation to understand the God that you worship. If anything's the credits before the movie, it's the word of God because the word of God is supposed to set you up. It's supposed to give you revelation. Now you can respond to it. How did you get saved? You didn't just wake up and get saved one day. Someone told you the word of God. They said, you are a sinner and you have rebelled against God and you need a savior. And you were like, oh, are you serious? Like, oh, like revelation came. And guess what you did? You responded to that revelation. And maybe you got down on your knees and said, God, I humble myself before you. I didn't know. I've sinned. I've rebelled against you. But I come and I submit because you're the God who made me, the God who loves me. All right, so I, I guess we're, we're going to kind of pause there. Uh, he, he goes on, and it's the same type of stuff. So this, this, this whole sermon is not meant to expound on his Platonistic notions of God not being able to receive outside value. Again, most sermons these days are kind of like practical and inspirational. But it's interesting how you see these little, little specks of their true underlying metaphysics come through in their sermons being highlighted in these interesting ways that if you're just you're casually observing the service you might actually miss what's going on there uh joel writes any thoughts on how the word worship today seems to be used exclusively for musical expression which actually which is actually praise well yeah yeah maybe unless you go to a charismatic church who does like speaking in tongues and things like that uh worship is basically only singing, which th there's other ways to worship. Uh, you can praise God. Uh, King David, who I didn't talk about yesterday, but I really should have because yesterday we talked about the reckless love of God. And King David is a man after God's own heart. He was amazingly passionate. And, like he would like dance like naked or lightly dressed in the presence of the Lord, maybe like an aesthetic, aesthetic rave type situation. Um, where you're maybe like you might uh, consider like a techno rave or something like that. That's kind of like what I envision when I'm reading that passage that he's just he's just lost in the moment and almost in like a trance state dancing for God because of his joy and because of his love for God. And King David is a man after God's own heart. He has intense, intense emotions. And uh, again, uh, these people who write our worship music, they think that no one's a man after God's own heart um, in, the, in the practical sense that God doesn't have passions, right? God can't be affected by us. We can't give something of value to God that God doesn't already have. In their world, God can't gain more pleasure than he already has because that would be a value change to God. Remember, everything is given, given a metaphysical dollar sign. And so if God gain some sort of inspiration or gain some sort of enjoyment that wasn't already within God. That's a value change to God that God makes God better. And that violates their idea of God being the maximal good. Now I'm going to have Arthur Hagland on this next week. And we're going to talk about the ontological argument, which is the idea that God is a maximally great being. We're going to be talking about these metaphysical dollar signs that people like this attribute to God. Do you think that the Bible 
just think about this. Is is there anywhere in the Bible that talks like this where, oh, prayer doesn't change God, prayer changes us. Oh, worship music is not for God, worship music is for us. What, what, what you're seeing there is two value systems coming into conflict, two different value systems that these people have to iron out in their own mind. There, there's some sort of tension within his theology that he has to rectify. And this is his way to rectify that tension within his theology. He has to change the purpose of worship and prayer so that it's for us rather than God, so that it actually actually goes along with the philosophy that he brings to the Bible. And so the Bible authors don't talk like this. You're not going to find a passage in in David saying, oh, my prayer's changing me. It's not changing your you at all, God. It doesn't affect you. And, uh, you know, this is all about changing my inward appearance, anything like that. No, within the Bible, when people interact with God, they actually think that they're changing something within God, that they're actually having a genuine interaction and their interactions are worthwhile and matter, uh, not not for their, their own sake, but for the sake of God that they can affect and change God. And so th this this entire Platonistic inbreeding in Christianity, uh, it's it's a very interesting concept that it's you're just not going to find people in the Bible talking like this, right? My God sings over me. Yeah, there's a verse, God sings over us. God has extreme passions. We could trust God, we could relate to God, we could interact with God, and God changes based on what we, uh, my favorite example is the Ezekiel one where uh, he says, hey, Ezekiel, do all these strange, weird acts that are going to be incredibly burdensome and and uh, it's going to be completely awful for you and also eat food cooked with human dung. And then uh, Ezekiel's like, ah, no, I, I, a human dung, that doesn't sound very good because I've always eaten kosher, God, so how about not? And then God instantly changes. Okay, we'll do cow dung instead. So yeah, it's a compromise position, instant change of God's mind based on uh, in the moment prayer. God changes based on prayer. God changes based on worship. Uh, remember, we, we talked about King David bargaining with God. If I die, God, who's there going to be to praise you? Because God actually gains from our praises, which makes sense. Uh, people people always associate uh uh, God's power, God's in a plural sense, the, the God's power with the number of worshipers that they have, the number of adherents, which there, there might be some truth value to that, that uh, these other deities in the world gain value from the number of worshipers they have. I, I don't think that's unique to them. I'm, I'm not saying God gains power from our worship, but it, it does it does tell us something about God when God gets angry and frustrated when he's losing worshipers and people are turning from him. And what does God desire? God desires a prayer and worship. Uh, I think there's a verse on that. I, I definitely haven't, have not, uh-oh, did, did we pause here? Okay, I definitely have not pulled down the requisite verses for this. But I did see this clip, and I did think it was pretty interesting that they're applying this whole Prayer doesn't change us. It's, our prayer doesn't change God. It changes us, and they're applying that to worship music, which is the logically consistent position for these Platonistic ideas about who God is. But it's just not a biblical idea. It's it's not within their their vocabulary. So Ted writes that exactly, Chris. Heaven forbid that God could have changing emotions in a moment for the better. Ghastly, <laughs> laughing out loud. Yeah, definitely. And so. 
it's it's important to take what we're we're talking about our little side sermons like this and bounce it up against the biblical language to see if there's any precedent for it and there, there's absolutely none for this because again it wasn't within their theological vocabulary where god couldn't gain from outside himself those are later interpolations onto christianity from outside sources all right, Reckless Love, read the book of Malachi, Broken Ardent Heart Writes. Yes, absolutely. So we'll cut there, uh, just a quick little video of uh, a guy I found interesting. And yes, the title of this is Worshiping Man, because guess what that does in a practical sense? If songwriting is for us and not for God, he's writing these songs for himself. He's writing these songs for the emotional interplay within, within the heart of the singer rather than for God. He's, he's actually worshiping himself in all practicality. That's not saying if you ever sing this guy's songs that you're worshiping yourself because you might genuinely be trying to worship God, but that's not his mindset when he's going into these songs. He's writing songs for himself, just like that guy who earlier, he goes to sermons for himself, for his own intellectual edification rather than for a relationship. He doesn't, he doesn't care about the interaction with God. It's... It's very strange that you find these types in religious settings. It's just all about only factual information and not about the relationship. Are, are we really doing religion at that point? <laughs> all right, so uh, we will cut there. Any questions or comments, put that down below or start a thread on the God is Open Facebook page. Thank you for listening.